thought I would start this talk by uh, speaking a little bit about the practice of working with emotions that arise during the course of our days. Uh, of course, we learn to work with emotions in the meditation. Uh, but of course, emotions are conditioned. So they're conditioned by things that happen, things we hear, things that we think about, things that we see, uh, things that other people say. So uh, during the course of the day, various emotions are going to arise for us. And it's very important for us to learn to be mindful of our emotions. Because if we, we're not mindful of them, uh, they can kind of rule our lives and they can uh, carry us away. And of course, emotions, uh, when we hold on to them, lead to uh, thoughts, to narratives. So the way that we're often caught, away, caught uh, and carried away by our emotions is being caught in uh, these narratives, many of which are habitual. So uh, we've talked a lot in this group uh, since we started this group at the beginning of the pandemic over, over a year, almost getting close to two years now. Uh, we've been talking a lot about emotions because it, it's always important to, to, be, to be on our toes and to be awake and to be aware of emotions when they're arising. There's certain emotions that habitually arise for us that we need to be aware of. There's a process, of course, of emotions. I think over the past year and a half, close to two years again, that we've been uh, involved in the pandemic, uh, such a difficult time and so much suffering for all of us. Uh, different emotions have arisen at different times. The process of emotions may change over time. So, uh, you know, sometimes I... I notice discouragement, you know, uh, being discouraged that the pandemic is still going on, or just this feeling of being weary of the whole process. Uh, so, uh, so notice, you know, again, our practice is awareness. Our practice is awareness. The emotions may be a little different at different times. Uh, our practice is to be aware uh, of what's arising for us and what we're clinging to. We often have talked about this uh, acronym of ABC, a very simple way of thinking about how to bring awareness to emotions, uh, to be aware of the emotion for a few moments, uh, to go to the breath, to find our center. Uh, when we find our breath, we can maintain that internal ease, and then to go to the heart and have compassion, because when we're caught in emotions, uh, we tend to uh, be suffering. So to have compassion for our suffering. Uh, so uh, awareness is the key, right? Awareness is the key to bring awareness to the emotion when it arises, uh, to notice that it's arising and to feel it in the body for a few moments, uh, and then to go to the breath. So what we're doing in bringing awareness to the emotion is changing our relationship to it. So instead of being in it, and when usually when we're in it, we're not aware that we're in it. So by bringing awareness to it, we're changing our relationship to it. Just being aware is, is changing the relationship to it. When we bring awareness to it, we create a specific kind of relationship, which in one in which there's some separation, right? 
So there's a, a duality, we sometimes say, or a subject-object relationship. I am aware of the emotion that I'm feeling in the body. So there's this quality of space. There's this quality of space, and in that space, uh, our holding on to it is alleviated, at least to some extent. When there's sufficient space, uh, there can also be wisdom. I mean, there's always wisdom once there's some space and we observe it. Uh, sometimes we call it intuitive wisdom. Uh, there's understanding that begins to develop as we create aware and a, a relationship to the emotion in which we're aware of it and there's space. So sometimes you're aware that there's wisdom happening. Sometimes you're not so aware that there's wisdom happening. But in general, if you can kind of have a, a spacious relationship to the emotion, there's going to be wisdom that you're going to be developing. So uh, part of that wisdom is is seeing what it's like when I'm not holding on. Okay, I was holding on to this emotion before. If it's discouragement, now I'm observing it, and there's a little bit of space, so I'm not attached to it right now. And this is what it's like. And there's an alleviation of suffering. So there's wisdom there. You don't have to think about that so much. You just start to become aware of that, uh, again, almost intuitively. And you start, part of that wisdom entails understanding that there is a potential for not holding on. So this is what not holding on is like, and there is this potential for not holding on. And you know what? It's pretty good. It's better than when I'm holding on, and you're beginning to understand that. As you're able to be aware of the emotion as a sensation in the body, uh, you begin to develop this understanding into, you know, anatta, not self. We begin to start to see that, you know, this emotion isn't who I am. It's just a sensation. It's part of my experience. It's not all of my experience, uh, but it's not who I am. So we begin to understand that it's just an experience that we're having, just like, you know, indigestion, if you will. It comes and it goes, uh, and it's not who I am. You begin to understand this, you know, that understanding is one that, uh, you know, is difficult to understand intellectually, and that's okay because you're not meant to understand it intellectually. You're meant to understand it experientially by paying attention to your experience. If you bring awareness to the emotion, you begin to understand that it's not self. It's not who you are. Uh, and, uh, you begin to understand that there's something that's greater than emotions, uh, that we're more than our emotions. I mean, emotions are part of our experience, but we're more than our emotions. We tend to think, you know, I'm my emotion, I'm discouraged. I'm discouraged. I mean, that's, that's, that's the antithesis of, of not-self. I'm discouraged, I'm tired of the pandemic. So we begin to understand that we're more than our emotions. This wisdom that we develop in bringing awareness to our experience, such as emotions, uh, enables us to begin to recognize the limited nature of emotions. Yeah. I mean, emotions are part of our human experience, uh, but we tend to give them much more weight than we need to give them, uh, much more weight than uh, then we really want to give them. Uh, and 
if we don't get, you know, it's one of those things. If we don't give them weight, they don't really have much weight, uh, if that makes sense. So we begin to understand that, you know, the limited nature of the emotions. I mean, emotions are a big deal when we're holding on to them. But when we begin to understand them more clearly, you know, this is what Vipassana is, understanding things more clearly, we understand that they're really quite limited in the grand scheme of things, emotions. That there's something and some things that are much greater. So this quality uh, in the mind, which is really a quality in the heart that we begin to develop, is known as disenchantment. We become disenchanted with emotions. I mean, generally, we're quite enchanted with our emotions. Uh, but as we start to pay attention to them in an objective way, bringing awareness to them, we become disenchanted. So this is really the first movement in, uh, in wisdom, is to develop disenchantment with the things that you're clinging to. So when there's disenchantment, uh, you're sort of, you're still clinging, you know, I mean, you know, we're kind of always going to be clinging to some extent, but we cling less and less as we become disenchanted with our clinging. Uh, so, you know, there's still, you know, if, if, if discouragement is this cup, you know, they're still holding on to it, but, you know, you start to realize, you know, this cup really, there's not much to it, really. Why am I holding on to it so tight? You know, it's really painful when I hold on to it so tight. So, you know, I start to, you start to get disenchanted with holding on to it. You know, the next movement in wisdom is dispassion, where you don't even pick it up anymore. You know? So we're moving towards that, but even disenchantment, you know, we're, we're not giving it so much weight, we're not holding on, we're not holding on as much. So uh, one thing that's important in understanding wisdom in, in the Buddhist teachings, and this is where uh, uh, we, get, we, we can get really kind of a little bit lost is that we think that in developing wisdom into an emotional states uh, that we're asked to analyze them. And, you know, an, a, analysis has its place in therapy and other places, but it's not really so much what we're doing in, 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 in practicing the Dharma and being mindful of the emotions. We're not analyzing the cup, you know, where did the cup make, come from, you know, what, what, what's it made of, all of those kinds of things. I mean, there's a little bit of an interface there because understanding, you know, a little bit about where it came from, all right, well, I have this emotion because it's something that I learned as a kid, da, 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 you know, we can see that it's conditioned and it's not a fixed part of who I am. But in general, we're not so interested in analyzing the emotion, you know, what we're interested in is seeing it for what it is and developing disenchantment with it. So we're not analyzing emotions in terms of their uh, history, uh, or their psychology, uh, where our, our, our practice is to develop disenchantment with emotions so there's less interest in them. We give them less weight. And in turn, we give more weight to uh, our states of concentration and we give more weight to the heart. So, you know, one of the things that's really important to understand is that uh, our capacity to not hold on to different emotions uh, is going to be correlated to our capacity to understand that there are states that are greater. 
their states that are greater. Because if this is all you got, you know, it's like, this is all I got is this cup, you know? And sometimes people say, well, anger is all I have, so I hold on to it. Well, I, you know what? I think that that's understandable. If that's all you got, you got to get some other stuff. I mean, what we're trying to do is, is cultivate other qualities that become more, uh, that are more beneficial for us and that we understand that they're more beneficial for us just by developing those qualities. And we let go of the things that aren't so much in our interests and incline more to what's in our greatest interest. So one thing is concentration. Concentration is ultimately leading us to the heart. So ultimately, uh, you know, we let go of emotions uh, and don't hold on so tightly to them. Uh, and we give more weight to the heart and the qualities of the heart. Uh, so, uh, so in that spirit, uh, it's very important for us to, uh, to get to know the heart and develop the heart uh, and to be in touch with the heart. So we've often asked this question, you know, in classes that I've taught over the many years and certainly over the last year, you know, the question is, you know, how is the heart? How is the heart today? How is the heart today? You know, we may be so much oftentimes concerned with, you know, how are, you know, what's going on with all my emotional states? Well, how's the heart? How's the heart today? Is the heart blocked? Is the heart blocked off? Are we cut off from the heart? Now, when we're holding on to the emotional states, when we're clinging, the heart is blocked off. You know, the heart is blocked off. So, you know, one of the real challenges for us, it's really hard to get to know the heart if we're always clinging to these different emotions. So we start to bring awareness to the emotions. We start to create some space and then we start to get to know the heart. So how is the heart? You know, this is something that we, you know, we want to pay attention to what's happening every day as we go through our days, pay attention to our experience. Am I caught in emotional states? Am I caught in narratives? How's the heart? How's the heart? How's the heart today? Uh, am I connected to the heart? You know, am I taking care of the heart? You know, in the, in the, in the metta meditation, I, uh, spoke to what the Buddha said about how we need to take care of the heart, just like a mother taking care of her newborn child. We learn to take care of the heart. Are we taking care of the heart in this way? You know, so how is the heart today? Can I bring the heart to this day? You know, these are the kinds of questions that as Dharma students we have to learn to ask. Can I bring the heart to this day? Can I bring the heart to this moment? Can I be in the heart right now? Right now, in this moment, as we're listening here, you know, in this group, can I bring the heart to this moment right now? That's something that, you know, we have to learn to do. Uh, mostly, it's a matter of uh, inclining ourselves to doing it, you know? Uh, so, you know, it's kind of looking how we're spending so much of our time in emotional states and beginning to start to consider another way of being, another way of being. Uh, you know, I can be in the emotional states of the story or I can be in the heart. I can be in the heart. So, 
uh, all the skills that we're learning as Dharma students, all the skills that we're learning in meditation are in the service of bringing us into the heart, into the heart. You know, we come into the body in meditation so that we can come to the heart. So I always like to say in very simple calculus, we're learning to come out of the head, out of the thoughts. Again, the thoughts, the narratives are usually the results of the emotions to the body, to the heart, to the heart. The Buddha uses this term to describe when we're caught in an emotional state, when we're suffering and clinging and caught in narratives, the term he uses is effluence. You know, this outflow from the mind, you know, this is where we sort of are. The mind is, you know, everything is flowing out in all the thoughts and narratives and the stories and the emotional uh, reactions to our experience. So we're sort of out, out, out in this place of the effluence. So our practice is, and in one of the ways he describes, the end of suffering is the ending of the effluence. The ending of the effluence, right? So how much today, it's still early uh, for many of you, uh, how much today have we been out, 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 out into the effluence? Can we come back into the body? Can we come into the body uh, and into the heart? So, you know, mindfulness of the body is, is so, so, so important for many reasons, you know, within, uh, within these teachings. Uh, but, you know, it's that first movement. I mean, it's the first thing I always say you learn in meditation class, right? Focus on the breath. The mind's wandering. Come back, come back, come back. That's what you're learning right from the beginning. It's a lifetime practice. Uh, so uh, we come to the body, we use the breath, we try to get the breath to feel good, and then we try to get the body, come to the full body. This is what we did in the meditation. We try to get the body to feel good, develop this pleasant abiding in the body, so the mind will want to stay. The mind will want to stay in the present moment. You know, I mean, I, I, you know, the way the Buddha describes that, when there's a pleasant abiding, the mind is content to stay in the body with the breath, and all the thoughts and worries and concerns about our lives are put to the side. So we're able to kind of put those things to the side, stay in the body, and if we're able to stay in the body, then we're able to be close to the heart. So it's all this process of getting us close to the heart. You know, eventually we can just let go of the body, right? But the body is, you know, the body keeps us stable, so we don't worry too much about letting go of the body, but, but you know, ultimately, there's just the heart. There's just the heart. Uh, we move even beyond the body, but the body's a good vehicle. The body's a good vehicle for getting us to the heart. I think about it that way. It's a vehicle. Eventually, you don't need the vehicle because our goal, because our goal where we're trying to get to is the heart. So when we lose the path, when we suffer, when we become caught and ensnared by these emotions, what happens is that we lose the heart. We lose the heart. So our practice is about coming back to the heart. Our practice is about coming back to the heart. So, you know, I, I really thought, you know, it, it's important to talk about this because we talk so much about emotions and I talked about it a lot today and we talk about the thinking and we talk about uh, afflictive states and we talk about a lot of things, but, 
you know, sometimes we forget about what this practice is all about. It's about coming back to the heart. It's about coming back to the heart. It's about having a sublime abiding in the heart. You know, the heart is the sublime abiding. You know, in the heart we find metta. You know, we find our wish to be happy. We find love for ourselves. You want to, you want love for yourself. We want to love ourselves. We find that in the heart. I mean, that's in the heart. That's in the heart. You, know, you can't manufacture that. That's in the heart. You already have love for yourself. It's in the heart. But we, we're trying to get there. We're trying to get to that. So we need to know where we're going. You know, we're all coming back to the heart. You know, there's love for ourselves. There's love for others. There's happiness. You know, there's happiness in the heart. And this is the Buddha's happiness. This is the Buddha's happiness. You know, the happiness of the world we sometimes characterize as the happiness of getting and being, right? Getting stuff, if it's material things, money, notoriety, status, etc. You know, getting and being, becoming somebody. You know, the Buddha's happiness is the happiness of the heart. It's the happiness inside. It's the happiness inside. So this happiness of heart comes from being in the heart comes from being in the heart. So, you know, it, it, you know it's an interesting uh, process, if you will, because we tend to think, well, I want to get this happiness, you know, how am I going to get it? What do I have to do? Well, what you have to do is basically what we always talk about doing, practice your meditation, you know, develop your concentration, develop mindfulness of the body, come into the body, come into the body, abandon the emotions that are blocking you off from the heart, develop disenchantment with those emotions that are blocking you off from the heart, develop disenchantment with those narratives, the things that are blocking off you off from the heart, come into the body, come into the body, develop that pleasant abiding, come into the heart, come into the heart. So, you know, sometimes it just seems to me so you know, I'm kind of struggling and it's difficult. And, you know, how can I get happy? How can I find happiness? How can I get out of this dilemma that I seem to be in? You know, and, 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 and then you know, I, I kind of remember what I've trained to be able to do. Come to the breath, come into the body, come to the heart. Oh, there's the happiness of heart. It's right there. It's right there. I can live from here, from this place, from the heart. And this is said to be the greatest happiness that there is, greater than any happiness that comes from getting and being. And it's said to be a true happiness because it's always there and it's always available to us if we, if we make the effort and we follow the path that leads us there.